right? He's going to take away what you love. He's going to put you where you don't want to be. It's, it's based in fear that God's calling for you is actually not good. And it jams us for saying yes. It blocks us from being able to say, oh no, if God has something for us, it's for our good and it's for the good of the world. And so um, we pray that that would not block you. The other one is the insecurity jammer saying, I don't have anything good to offer. And I think this one blocks so many people. No, I, not me. We diminish. Even as we take these assessments, we diminish what it, the results. The other jammer is that um, I'm too busy jammer. And this one diminishes our ability to see the spiritual and emotional value of engaging with calling. And so we don't make it a priority. And we want you along to say, oh, let, let busyness not be the thing that would stop you from engaging in rich conversations with others, from spending time to think about your story, to think about these gifts, to think about your passions. Our, our context and our culture sometimes elevates certain people for these conversations, but diminishes others. Mostly in our context, men have been elevated to look at these things, women have been diminished. Right? They've, they've not been encouraged to pursue in these ways. They've been sort of held back or said, I, I, I'm too busy. Because if there's anything that has to be done in the family around that, in some people's circumstances, it falls to the women in the family. And so when it thinks things like calling and gifts and, and passions, room, potentially in training and, and those kinds of things, for some it's withheld or space isn't given to women, even though potentially when a man in a relationship or in a marriage wants to pursue something that will move him out of the house or need extra time or money and resources, it's typically women who make space for that in order that to happen. And so uh, my encouragement, if your families and that thing is just too busy, if you're a husband and you have a spouse that's struggling to engage in these things because of busyness, Husbands, it's your, it, it's on you, it, you need to help make space for this, for them, for their destiny, for their calling. I want to challenge you. It's overlooked in our culture. May you value your, your wife. If you have friends who are women, may you, may you help them, for the single moms, help them to create this space so that our culture continues to devalue. The church has been a major culprit of that, and to their shame, of devaluing Women saying, oh, I'm too busy in order to step into this. May we help to make room. And the final one is that I'm already using all my gifts. And this jammer maybe looks something like this, like, haven't we already done this? Haven't I already looked at this? As if there's nothing more for God to reveal to you. I pray that God would break open those jammers and allow us to step in with fresh eyes and for him to speak to us, to speak to us, to identify things in us, that we could take those steps as he's growing us. So Father, would you do that? We give you permission. Open us up. Whatever lies, whatever patterns, whatever issues are there, God, would you create a path? Would you clear the rubble and the obstacles that's keeping us from full engagement? Would you clear the lies that's keeping us from being able to believe? When you speak good words over us, when our story shows good evidence of gifts and abilities that we wouldn't undermine what you've done and what you have given. Come, Holy Spirit. 
And would you build up people? Because God, you do that. For our good. That we could join with you in what you're doing in this world. So God, your will be done. Amen. So we're longing to find our place. And as we said, we need to tune into these three signals of gifts, passions, and story. These help us to discover where we're designed to go. And so our big idea of today, because we're going to hone in on these, is on gifts. And our big idea of today is to discover our masterpiece mission. We must answer two questions about our gifts. Or I must answer two questions about my gifts. So we're going to try to present two questions for you today about your gifts as we go on this journey. These are ones that you're going to, going to be discussing, and we want you to talk about these with others. And we're going to use David as sort of the case study for looking at gifts and looking at passion and looking at a story, the David of the Old Testament scriptures. And we're going to be looking at his masterpiece mission. And that helped every time David seemed to, to tune in to these gifts, passion, and story with the guidance of the Spirit, he ends up with this deeper sense of his masterpiece mission. So as we look at this story, um, the context that we're going to begin is with David. David was a king of Israel, but before he was king, he was a shepherd. And when he was like 14 to 15 years old, uh, he gets identified, he gets marked, he gets anointed to be king. It, it was a marker by a prophet of God. Hey, this is the one who's going to be king. But yet he wasn't recognized by any of the people as king. It was just sort of told him and marked by God by a prophet. And at that time, this king was a shepherd. And the shepherd was going to be the king. And, and David, at that current moment of his gift mix, right, if he's a shepherd, I would assume his gift mix was sheep watching. Um, it says some things about stone slinging and harp strumming. And that, if we were going to say, hey, what's the gift mix of king? Those are not the three that you would put up there. But yet these are the ones that are the early shapers of David's gifts. So let's look at gifts. This is in 1 Samuel 16, verses 6 and 7. This is about Samuel. He was told by God that, hey, I'm going to show you who's going to be a king, go to a certain place, find the family of Jesse, and I'm going to point out one of his sons to you. When they arrived, Samuel, he was the prophet who heard from God. God continued to speak to him. He saw Eliab and thought, surely this is one of Jesse's sons, the oldest. Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I've rejected him. The Lord doesn't look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Samuel, who has this sort of direct contact with God, hearing from him, when he says, hey, I'm going to show you who's going to be king, he too doesn't have a sense. He, he misses it. He doesn't even know what to look for. But yet when he looks out at the people out there and sees this eldest son of Jesse, he's like, Oh, yeah, this is the guy. Stature, strength, these. This is the abilities and, and what a king should look like. But yet God is really clear saying, no, no, um, sorry, Samuel, you, you don't know what to look for. You, you have wrong lenses for being able to determine calling. But God does. He looks at the deeper things. And so then all the sons of Jesse are marched before Samuel, and none of them are chosen. And so Samuel's like, uh, Jesse, do you got any more kids? And he's like, oh, yeah, I got, I got one more. He's with the sheep. 
right? We, I mean, we, if, if one has to be at the sheep, it's going to be the youngest. And says, well, go get them. He still had the youngest. He's tending the sheep. And so as he's brought before him, Samuel says in verse 12, arise, anoint him. This is the one. It's sort of this unlikely invitation, right? An unlikely invitation of the youngest, the weakest, the shepherd boy, the runt. He's the one that's, that's chosen, saying, oh, no, here's the one. Here's the one. All of us receive an unlikely invitation by God to our masterpiece mission. All of us in some way, regardless of our stature or skill, our calling to this masterpiece mission is a gift of grace, and it's not something we earn. I mean, this whole text about the masterpiece mission from Ephesians 2, um, verse, we were doing verse 10, where it's saying, hey, you are a masterpiece, destined for good works in Christ Jesus, planned for you before long ago. You're his workmanship. But the verse before this is what we're going to read right now. The two verses before that is Ephesians 2, verse 8. For it's by grace that you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It's a gift of God. Salvation, Right? As I even pulled into God's family, not by work so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork. This is another version. We are God's craftsmanship. We are God's masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So here, here's Ephesians saying, it's like, hey, you were saved by grace. You were saved from sin. You were saved from death. You were saved from these things, but you were saved from this for something. Good works that were planned before you long ago. As the church, we aren't just saved from something. We're saved for something. For what God's created for us. We are saved from something. Condemnation, the guilt of our marks. We're saved from, that's what salvation is. It's God's restoration of us into his family. It's in communion where we're saved from that. Our sins are forgiven, but we're given new life to live differently for something. That's the good news. We're saved in this way of Joining with Jesus in his work and making disciples and helping people receive grace and experience God's transformation of them. We're to join with Jesus in redeeming and restoring all things in every nook and cranny of the culture, bringing shalom or flourishing to that place that he sent us. And that's where our one-of-a-kind masterpiece mission comes in. You're the one. The unlikely invitation how open are you to the possibility of an unlikely invitation? In your most um, prophet-like, Morpheus-like, Obi-Wan Kenobi-like um, voice, would you turn to the person next to you and say, in a whispering voice, say, you're the one. Well, I mean, not the one, like meaning that you're the one for me to marry. <laughs> I see people kissing, you're the one. You're the one and only. He, he did, he said in too romantic of a voice, and I got him a kiss. 
If you don't know the person next to you, don't do it. <laughs> Can you hear it? You're the one. Man, for you to hear that from God, you're the one. You're the one I've been coming for. You're the one I'm looking for. Not by your lift of gifts, miss, but by God's choosing. Can you accept it today by his grace? You're the one. Let him pour over. Let God pour over his love. Maybe every lie and every wound and every hurt and everything that has diminished your ability to hear that, my God's power, I say, be gone in the name of Jesus now. The wounds that have broken through that make it so hard for you to think, not me. I silence those in the name of the Messiah Jesus. May you hear it. So this story, the unlikely calling, a few years later, yes, we know the story of David, right? Because nothing happened there. He gets anointed the one, and you know where he goes? Back to the sheep. <laughs> Back to the sheep, to, to life as usual. You're the one. As you hear that one, do you know where you're going to go back? You're going to go back to life as usual. God has placed you. You're the one. But he steps into it, and life as usual, a few years later, now we have this big battle, this, these two sort of camps, the Philistines and the army of Israel on two sides, divided against each other. And there's a great giant in the Philistines' camp named Goliath. We all, you know, this is like one of the most famous stories and Goliath is championing and crying out and laughing against all of the warriors of Israel and mocking them, saying, hey, let's make this easy, not causing all this bloodshed, but you send, you send one warrior against me. If you, if you beat me, um, we'll be your slaves. <laughs> yeah, he was a giant, right? He was so much bigger. Send one. We'll make it one-on-one. Whoever wins this battle will we'll, we'll sort of collect up. But if I, if I beat you, you'll become our slaves. And he taunts them, and he taunts the God of Israel, and no one responds because they're afraid. They're afraid of this warrior, this giant, whose whole life has been equipped to hurt and kill and undermine. And so in Samuel, verse seven, First Samuel 17, it says, The Philistines stood on the one mountain on one side, while Israel stood on the other mountain. There's a valley between them. This champion came out with the armies of the Philistines named Goliath. His height was six cubits in a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head and he was clothed with scale armor and it weighed 5,000 shekels of bronze. He also had a bronze uh, greaves on his legs and a bronze javelin slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like the weaver's beam. The head of his spear weighed 600 shekels of iron. His shield carrier also walked before him. Well, David shows up to this, not as a warrior, but as a shepherd who his dad told him, go there and and take your brother's lunch, right? So he brings food to them, and he hears the taunting of this giant. And here's what's his response in verse 26. Then David spoke to the men who were standing around him, saying, well, what will be done for the one who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt the armies of the living God? Off item, right? That's what he's again saying. Now, so the shepherd boy comes with this food. Oh, I'll find this one. Who is this? How dare he? Well, the word gets to the king that a young boy had said he would be the one to fight, and he comes before the king. 
He might have been the first who's ever said yes to this battle. He gets brought before the king, the boy. And, and I assume the king's like, what are you talking, boy? Don't, don't, don't talk stupidness. Right, what are you doing? And then David responds to the king. Let no one lose heart on account of the Philistines, of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man. And he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine would be like one of them because he's defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. He was convinced. Saul said to, to, to David, go, and the Lord will be with you. Then, then Saul dressed David in his own tunic, and he put on a coat of armor on him and a, and a bronze helmet on his head, and David fastened on his sword over the tunic and, and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I can't go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in hand approached the Philistine. This is an interesting little thing, right? When David comes to the king, the king's response is, is this. You're not prepared for this. I get your chutzpah, young man, but you're a young man. And this is a man who's been equipped for battle. Well, well David says, well, yeah, I'm a, I'm a young man, but, but I've done these things, right? I've killed the lion. I've killed the bear. He says, yeah, my training, even though has not been in battle, my training has been as a shepherd. And I've had battles there, the lion and the bear. Okay. He says, okay, but, but it still wasn't good enough, right? All right, David, yeah, okay, we'll let you do it, but not good enough. You're still not prepared here. So here's my battle gear. You can have the best of battle gear. That will prepare you. My tunic, my armor, my helmet, the sword of the king. I assume it was a good sword, right? He didn't have enough. It wasn't good enough to use what he had. He was offered the king. And so David said, it's like, oh, I, these don't work for me, right? I'm not, I'm not used to those. These are amazing, right? vestments right for battle but he's like but but, I, but i'm not used to them and he takes them off and he grabs his staff and his sling and five stones and he comes out before the giant you know the story right the giant laughs at him and it's like oh is this your best man oh you bring boys i'm gonna eat you alive i'm gonna crush you David brought what he had with his sling, right? And that's quite a battle. It was quite a battle. And as you know it, the, the giant came to him and he was going to kill him, right? Well, David takes his one stone, whips it right between his skull. 
and, and it knocks him down. Now, I don't know if it killed him because this says that David took up the giant's sword and cut off his head with it. Now, that, that killed him. <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you see this? His stat, where did he learn to use that sling? We learned to use it as a shepherd. Hanging out with sheep at night, setting up old beer cans up there and taking his, his rocks, right? No, not cans. Um, piles of sheep dung on the little rocks there and knocking them off with stones. Where, where did he learn this? Right? He, that was something that, that he had. Is this the mark of a king? No, it was a shepherd boy who has the use of what he has. That's a shepherd. When it comes to these ordinary things of your life, these ordinary skills, these things that you've had to use, how easy is it for us to undermine that? Well, this actually isn't good enough to go before the giant, right? <laughs> you need the king stuff. You need the bigger weapons, not really what you got, not already what you've been using. It's so easy for us to undermine our gifts as ordinary or insufficient to lead us into our calling. Because if they're not the flashy ones, a sling and stone is not a flashy weapon. They're what God gave him. See, here's the part when we begin to compare ourselves to other people. They diminish our own gifts. And if we're not careful, we will settle for Saul's armor, the, the king stuff that we don't know how to use, that aren't for us, that aren't our abilities. And so you may need to shift your thinking if you're not aware of it. But doing what you do well, your everyday your ordinary, your mundane skills at work, the particular sets of gifts you use as a hobby, that's your sling, your abilities. There's something that you're already doing that God has been using to prepare you for what's coming next. These are what he's given you. God has given you skills. Can you think of those things as your sling? Not as ordinary these are your everyday abilities, things that you do naturally well. Maybe you're good at organizing things or creative abilities or you're naturally hospitality and, or hospitable or friendly or you're always ready and eager to serve or lend a helping hand. That's your sling. So the first question when it comes to our gifts and abilities is this. What is your sling? What are your, to you, ordinary, everyday abilities and skills. For some of you, it, th this was even hard within your abilities. Even when I took the test, it was hard for me too. I, I put down really weird abilities, right? I put it down like electrical skills. And I, I, have I have very little, right, of that, but you struggle. But sometimes it's just asking those questions and begin asking this that we've been to reflect on our life of the abilities and the things that God has given us from a very young age. They're just sort of natural. Strength Finders is a great test for that. And we have people here who are coaches and you're interested in finding that, you can do so. I think sometimes we undermine our abilities when they're not as good as other people, right? When they actually put us in places that we can't believe that they put us in. I, I usually joke that, you know, I played bass guitar for a while and I'm not any good. And I mean, I had some ability to play. But, but also, my ability was limited. It was very natural. It was not God-given, right? But, but, it was, but, it, but it was, right? Because there was a desire, and there was an ability. I remember trying out for a band, and uh, I struggled with left and right. I struggled with north, south, east, and west. And so, with, with that kind of movement, I struggled with the idea of a scale. 
G sharp, G flats, which one is it, right? The up or down? I struggle with that mentally. However my brain is wired, I struggle. So I never knew, is there a G flat or is there a G sharp? Which one is it called, right? And so I, I'm pretty sure right now there's a G flat, right, music people? Yeah, is there a G flat? Is there a G sharp? How about F? Whichever one there isn't, you guys aren't helping me. Where's, where's Tom Trento when you need him? There's no F flat. Okay. So I think these guys were like, hey, this song is an F sharp. And I'm like, oh, no, my, the bass um, doesn't have one of those. Right? Like, that's how little I knew. Because I knew there was something it didn't have, um, but I didn't fully get it. But yet I still had an ability to play. Right? I still had the ability to learn patterns on it and to strum and to play around on a bass. And I can remember offering that to God. I can remember wanting to sell all of my gear because I bought it and I really wasn't playing it and have a band. And I'm like, God, it's yours. Do whatever you want. And I even tried to sell it. Yeah, at one time, right? Um, and then I couldn't. But it was shortly within that period of time that I got invited with friends to, to play with them. And they saw my, my ability and my ability was enough for them. My skill was enough for them. And it led us into places for God to use these natural abilities that I had were natural, not massive, for God's work. I mean, Nate and I played, Nate, Nate is a really good drummer, right? But, it, you know, and, but we, they allowed us to use our natural, and we played in a band together, and we were able to use these abilities, and God put us in places to encourage and make music that encouraged people for four years together. I could pick up that bass fiddle back there and show you my moves, but you wouldn't be impressed. I was always told, if you don't know what to do, just kind of do a lot of these like, you know, and point your bass at people like this. You know, like if you, it, 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 um, the best advice I got as a bass player is like, hey, um, it's okay to suck as a bass player, just don't look like you do. Right? And so I was like, oh, that's all you have to do, lots of kicks and moves. But God takes our normal things, these abilities that we have, these things that we use, and he, he pulls us into places when we say yes to them. And even if we think they're not all that big, he moves us into places we would never go. And he begins to shape who we are and gives us opportunities for these things. If you took that, I took that test and there was training stuff that shows my abilities and, and different things about wanting to belong to be friendly and to make friends, right? So what are the abilities that God has, has wired for you to give you? You have natural abilities and talents that God will use to do greater things than you can imagine in your masterpiece mission. And I think this part of us is just our willing, right? That kind of God use, use this. I can remember praying that prayer, God, it's yours. And I was like, okay, I'll use it. Here, I want you to pray this prayer with me. God, give me ears to hear your invitation. Can you pray that? Give me ears to hear your invitation. God, give me eyes to see your invitation. Show me my sling and where to run to the battle. Show me, God, what you have given me. Would you pray that? God, invite me. Give me ears to hear. Give me eyes to see. 
the sling you've put in my hand in the battle? Would you say, God, whatever I have, these gifts and abilities, they're yours. God, use them. And he will. I, um, I started dabbling. See, natural abilities are, are one thing, right? This is called an auto harp. I think it's going to be the next big thing. <laughs> it's going to be huge. You know, like, way like when distortion came out and rock and roll came, I think this is the next move. There's, the guys in Appalachia, they play these, right? I found one upstairs here, um, and I started like dabbling with it and strumming. Um, so this is not a natural ability, nor is it a spiritual one. Here's my transition. Not only do we need natural abilities, we need spiritual ones. David, one other thing about David besides the sling, because it's not only a sling, it's not only natural abilities you've been given, he was given spiritual ones, and it was called this harp, this like 10-string harp that he would play that had a spiritual thing. Now, I say there's a difference between natural and spiritual because this is what it said when David played. When David played, there was moments when there was a demonic spirit tormenting Saul that when he played, he was settled. Now, believe me, when I play this, <laughs> Demons do not flee. <laughs> nothing supernatural happens when I strum. You could even debate that nothing natural happens <laughs> when I strum. But there was something different about David when he played the harp that something supernatural was taking place, something that he couldn't take credit for. Right? Not only was he given a sling, he, there was this harp, and he was playing it. And yeah, he would probably play harp when he was hanging out on the hillside, but God was doing something in that. And that's what the text says. It was, he would play this lyre, and it would relieve Saul, the king, when he'd play for him, and he would feel better, and the evil spirit would leave him. See, the... the this is, can be really difficult for us because many of us can have a hard time struggling with this. We might say, yeah, we have certain gifts, natural abilities impacting that, but a supernatural power impacting not only our ears but the hearts and minds of listeners? That, that might be more difficult for us. But I believe that this, this text is like this precursor to convince us, to um, make us hungry to remind us that God has not only given us natural abilities, ordinary things that we can use for his good, but he's given us supernatural things. And the New Testament, the new writers, this is said all over that because, I mean, David was long before Jesus, right? And so after Jesus, we're encouraged about this great revelation. Knowing and understanding and so we're able to see that this foreshadowing of David and the supernatural gifting it's this precursor, a, a type of full reality of what God's people are now experiencing on the other side of the resurrection, after Jesus rose from the dead, and the coming of the Holy Spirit into our lives. This is the truth of the scriptures, that the Spirit gives us spiritual gifts. And the scriptures are filled with this reality. God gives spiritual gifts, gifts by God. And so here's some text, 1 Corinthians. I wish that you were all like I am, but each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. First Corinthians 12. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. 
There are different kinds of service, but the same God, the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation, sort of making it real before us, of the Spirit is given for the common good. Ephesians 4. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all, and through all, and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, this is prophetic, speaking to a future, when he ascended on high, meaning when he was resurrected, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. The gifts, these spiritual gifts, the scriptures are crystal clear. Every person who has been regenerated by God's amazing grace through faith in Jesus Christ, in his life, his death, in his resurrection, is filled with the very Spirit of God. And when the Spirit of God takes up residence in us, which is the promise and the gift, the promise. Have you settled for less? When the Spirit of God takes up residence in us, full residence, he brings supernatural gifts and a power along with him. So in other words, you have a harp, right? Like David. Something that when it is used, it has a different kind of outcome than beyond what you could do, right? It it, it goes deeper. It's not of the natural. It's of the supernaturals, we would say. The heart represents your spirit-empowered abilities, the gifts that God has given you to accomplish for him, which you could not do through your own natural strength, wisdom, or skill. So the question, the second question when it comes to our gifts, right, is this. What's your heart? What are your spiritual gifts? This is interesting. We're going to be talking about this over Christmas, too. So we're going to come back, and, and what a great discussion. What are the things that God has, has given you? Knowing your gifts, both the natural and the supernatural, is absolutely essential to engaging in your masterpiece mission. And so I want to encourage you, if you haven't taken that assessment yet, the, the, the Find Your Place assessment, there's a QR code in the back of your program. Um, we, we sent it out in an email this week. It's on our website. If you click on the Find Your Place uh, heading, or you can see it right there on the front page of our website, um, you can find it. We want you to take that assessment. It will just give you the ability to engage in a conversation. And you, I don't take tests well. And so I'm not sure if those answers are, are right, but it doesn't matter. It'll lead you into conversation. You'll begin to look in your life for them. Take the test. Take the assessment. If you have kids, I think that are that are old enough, probably even the age of uh, ten. I saw that Jim, you had Grant take it. I don't know if Kate took it yet or not, but I saw that Grant took it. And I thought it was amazing. By the way, I, I I can see those results, and so if that if you're bothered by that, sorry. Um, <laughs> somebody in here, when you made your profile, I don't know who you are. You made your you made your name this. Your first name is first name, and your last name is last name. You're brilliant. So if that, if that weirds you out, feel free to put your joke names in there. I'm okay with that. Um, but if you're able to disclose yourself, take that assessment. It'll give you conversation with people you trust. And if it's not us, that's okay, right? But take it. It's free. We would love to see you take it and have those. 
Take that. Start, start today and engaging in that. So I took it, and when I think about spiritual gifts, and, and I'm uncomfortable with these things, right? I'm uncomfortable talking about them. It's, it's easier for me to say, oh my gosh, you guys, you have them, right? I mean, I was sitting with Pat just last week, and she was talking about the gift of like almost being able to say words to people that didn't come from herself, that just kind of came out for the good of others. And I'm like, absolutely, Pat. Totally believe it. Use it. Yeah, that's, that's a, what a gift, right? But yet for ourselves, we struggle with that. Even this idea of masterpiece mission. I don't know how many of you are like when you hear someone talk about, yeah, here's my gifts and here's my spiritual gifts and wow, I'm a masterpiece. And you think, whoa, slow down, buddy. Stop thinking so big about yourself, <laughs> right? What has happened to us that we can't celebrate and long for people to reach and to take hold of what God has given them? Why do we need to undermine? Why do we need people to feel smaller than what God has wired for them? I think it's a distortion of the enemy, right? Something wants to hold us all down, so we're like, you're thinking a little too high of yourself. <laughs> when it comes to our kids, we don't do that. We can believe. We even, we know their flaws. Nikki was sharing this when we were going through this material. We see all their flaws, Right? But yet we say, oh my gosh, you're a masterpiece. Look how you've been wired and gifted. And that's how God can see us. I was, I was thinking through even my own, right? And I struggle with it. But one that is encouragement is one of my gifts, right? Spiritual gifts to encourage. And sometimes that feels not very spiritual. But even recently, I, you know, you have these pleasures of being in conversations with people one-on-one. And you're invited into him for whatever reasons, either because I work for the church or I'm hanging out with people or being near people in, in, in hard circumstances. And there's certain moments when you get this privilege of someone saying something to you like, hey, that, that one thing you said to me changed my direction. And 99% of the time, I have no clue that I even said it. Right? No clue. My words don't have those kind of power. I mean, a friend of mine just sent me this note that about um, we were doing communion in their house, and he was really uneasy with it and, and held out. And he said, well, you said one thing, that there is one God. And that shook me to the core, and, I, and, and it moved his heart to reengage with God. And I'm like, I don't have that ability. Believe me, I tried to have that build. If I could say one thing that would move you, believe me, I would be saying that. Buttercup, right? I would, I would say it, whatever. I don't. So when that happens and God shows that to us, it's the thing that God has given us, these natural things of words, of encouragement, of hospitality that has a supernatural impact to it that goes beyond normal words. Can we accept that? And then want to do it more. Want to use those words of prophecy, right? To speak those great truths path into people. And for those of you who are, who are encouragers as well, to take those moments to hear people and say, God, use what I have. For those of you who have the gift of faith, the gifts of service, these spiritual gifts of knowledge and of wisdom and insight, right? Use them, the gifts of healing. Make attempts. He's given us these things. If only we would step to them.
You need to know both your natural and your supernatural. They're absolutely essential for engaging your masterpiece mission. And we're going to connect these all to our story. That's the hard work. But it's so essential. May you step into it. As we, as we close, here's our word. First, take the test, engage in conversations. And here's what I want you, if you've done it, do this. Celebrate your gifts. Celebrate them, don't compare them. Celebrate what God's given you. How he's marked you. Don't make them less significant for whatever you put down on those. Celebrate how God's wired you naturally and supernaturally by his spirit. And the second one is this. Start using your gifts consistently, passionately, and creatively. Whatever, whatever is shown to you, I want to encourage you, you have permission to run with it. Run with it. Move with it. That's our encouragement for you today. I'm going to invite Liz, I'm going to invite the band to come up for the sort of closing word of today. This is the encouragement from Romans 12. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophecy, speak it out. As much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, don't undermine that because it's your vocation. Teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have the gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. So friends, use them. Invest them. For God's good and for your joy.